All right, go ahead and grab a seat. Uh, my name is Ricky, one of the pastors here. Um, and this thing is actually kind of heavy. Um, well, yeah, well, welcome uh, today. Um, yeah, just imagine with me. Disease uh, had, had, was showing itself around the world. Different places all over the globe had infections popping up. Some in Paris, then San Francisco. Next, it was Baghdad, and then Jakarta. Sao Paulo and Cairo were all seeing these infections come about. As time went on, the disease grew, and it led to several outbreaks, uh, and it would spread from city to city. So in response to this growing epidemic, there was this team that was formed, these, these disease-fighting specialists. And they each had different roles and uh, had a part to play. And so one, he went to treat the infected. And then another one, he would go and quarantine uh, different areas to stop the, the spread from going farther. And then another, they, they would research uh, to find a cure. Each person knew that they had a very important job, a crucial role that was so vital. There was no option for people, to, for not everyone to contribute. This team was the only thing that was actually standing in the way from this thing becoming a global pandemic. And it was a race against time to, to save humanity. They had to work together if they were to stand a chance. This is uh, what it was a couple weeks ago when me and my family played the board game Pandemic. Um, it's a co-op game in, uh, in which players work together to stop these, these kind of color-coded diseases from, from overtaking cities and spreading out and, you know, causing basically a global pandemic. And, and you have these different uh, characters that you could be, and they have these, these different abilities. Uh, you know, one is a medic, and they go and treat things. Uh, there's a quarantine specialist. Um, you know, a dispatcher, all these things, and they, they work together to, to stop it spreading and to cure the, the diseases. <clears throat> and, and the great thing is, is when you're playing this, every single person knows, hey, I have an ability that the rest of the team doesn't have. Hey, and I, ha I have to contribute uh, for us to, to win the game. There's no, you know, nobody has this thought like, well, hey, I could just kind of sit there and, and, and we'll win. You know, it's like, no, hey, you, you have a role, I have a role, and we're all working together to try to see this thing happen. Each person has to help, and it's important. You know, and we get this when it comes to the body of, or, or to the board game. You know, we understand, yeah, that's how it works. But do we understand that when it comes to the body of Christ? You know, what, what is your mentality when it comes to the church family? You know, we could get stuck in, into thinking that, that man, I don't, I'm not really significant. I don't know if I really even can contribute in any way. You know, or, or maybe we get this mentality of like, well, someone else will do it. Someone else already is doing it. And, or, or maybe, well, like, I don't know if I need to really get involved. I'm, I'm really busy. There's a lot of things going on. Or maybe you just think it's about the people up on stage, the preacher, you know, they're, they're the ones that we, you know, are paid to do the ministry. You know, but here, here when it comes, you know, from a board game to a church is, is with church and, and God's family, the family that Jesus died to create, the stakes are so much higher in the church and the joys are so much greater than they are in a board game. You know, so what should be our attitude? What should be our mindset when we think about the family of God? 
And how does actually Jesus and, and who he is and who he's made us, this, um, you know, our identity in him, help inform us to have the right mindset? So that's what we're going to be looking at today. So open up your Bible to Acts 6. Acts is in the New Testament. Um, so it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. If you've gone to Romans, you've gone too far. So Acts 6. So verse 1, it just says this. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their, their widows, the Hellenist widows, were being neglected in the daily distribution. And, and here we just see this problem. You know, this problem arises in verse 1. It says that the, the, the church is increasing, it's growing. And in verse 7, the church increases and grows and even multiplies. So that's verse 1 and verse 7 is this growth. But sandwiched in between these verses or those, those statements of growth, there's this problem. And, um, you know, people, the problem here is that, that people are being neglected. <clears throat> Um, you know, th this could be happening maybe because people are just being discriminated against. There's the Hellenists, you know, and, and the Hebrews. The Hellenists, uh, widows were being neglected. And these Hellenists, they would have been Jews, but they're Greek. Many of them perhaps could have, you know, when uh, in exile, when, when um, <clears throat> these different country or kingdoms came in, they grabbed the Jews and then they would scatter them out into these different countries, into Babylon, Persia. And, and so these, you have these Jews living in other other areas, other cultures, other countries, other kingdoms. And so what would happen is if, if a husband died or sometimes just a couple late in life, they would want to move back towards Jerusalem to just kind of finish their, their life out there. And so um, you'd have these people from these cultures living there. And um, the Hebrews, you know, the, they would have lived in Jerusalem the whole time. And the Hellenist widows, they would have only spoken Greek. That would have been their only language that they would have really spoken. But the Hebrews, they would have spoken Greek and Aramaic. And so there's, there's this language difference that they, that they have. Also, the Hellenists, because they were growing up in a, in a different area, they tended to be less strict on how they would follow the Jewish traditions and customs. And so there, not only there's this language difference, but there's this culture difference. Hey, you're kind of really not like us. You know, hey, we're the, we're the Hebrews, we've been here the whole time, and, and hey, you're kind of like, you know, compromising a little bit about who we are and what we should look like, because you're adopting some of these Greek and Roman traditions. You know, it wasn't really a racial discrimination, it's this like cultural discrimination that's, that's going on. And that kind of favoritism, hey, we'll, we'll give to the Hebrew widows, but we won't give to the, the Hellenist widows. You know, that, that's sin. Hey, we're going to treat people differently because of, of something else. And that, that, kind of, that kind of behavior can just lead to division. You know, but, but just always remember that unity. Unity here in Acts, unity here today in the church family. Unity happens because what unifies us is always bigger than what can divide us. Whatever can divide us, if it becomes bigger than what can unify us, Division will happen. But if you always look at, hey, what is actually the biggest thing that unifies us? Jesus. And Jesus, if he's always bigger than what can divide us, will stay unified. And so it doesn't, uh, you know, it, Im it implies that there's this, this cultural difference between the Hellenists and the Hebrews. Um, but, you know, that, it's not like 100% sure that that's actually the problem. I mean, the, the apostles, they never actually call that sin out. 
But what, what the text does say is that, hey, the numbers were increasing. I mean, look at it there in verse 1. The numbers are increasing. And so at least what is happening here is that, hey, as the church is growing, more, more widows are becoming part of this movement and trusting in Jesus, and it's growing, is that growth is good, but with that growth is coming growing pains. Hey, we, you know, and, and, and so this is just adding to the complexity of what is going on. And maybe it was even the, the apostles themselves that were distributing the food there in the beginning. Now, now it's just like, man, there's so many people. You know, and it's just like, man, we can't get around to everybody. And, you know, even the Jewish widows would have tended to live a little bit farther outside of town. So it just might have been like, hey, we can't even just get around to you just because it's just harder. But notice what, what the people do. So there is this problem. These widows are being neglected. That's a real thing. That's not okay. And then notice what they do is like a complaint by the Hellenists, not by even by the widows. It's just by the Hellenists, by the people around the widows, rose up against the Hebrews. And so they complain against the Hebrews and um, against these other people. And so maybe they're assuming like, hey, I bet this is why they're, we're being, our widows are being neglected. They might kind of be imparting their motives on, on, the, on the other people, but they're complaining, and it's just kind of rising up this, this murmur amongst the people of just like complaining against these other brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul in Philippians 2.14, he says, hey, do everything, whatever it is that you're doing, do everything without complaining, without grumbling, without arguing. And so, guys, when we kind of read this and we think like, oh, a complaint rose against the Hellenists, um, we might feel, feel like that that's no big deal. But actually, this is a really legit threat to the church. Satan had attacked the church, you know, through persecution and, and having the apostles thrown in jail and they were beaten. He attacked them through corruption and hypocrisy in the previous chapter with Ananias and Sapphira. And now he's attacking the church again with division, but also just with, with this complaining that is going on. A spirit of complaining kills way more churches than persecution. I mean, out there in the world, do you know what leads to more churches dying, more churches splitting, more churches just losing their impact in the world? It's not because somebody comes in there and just destroys them all. It's because within, people have this spirit of criticism and complaining and whining. Leads to far more churches dying than anything else. Just complaining. But let's admit it, right? That's what our world is really good at. Our society is great at it. Being critical. We love to criticize those in power. We love to, maybe, you know, it's criticizing uh, the people that teach our kids. Or maybe it's, hey, let's criticize uh, this commissioner that canceled uh, certain conferences, uh, you know, sports season. It, it's, it's easy, Right? And we like to complain a little. I mean, just, we kind of like to sometimes complain and, and, and whine about things. But what that shows is not just, not just that, hey, we're just saying something, but it shows something within us. It shows us pride. Pride that's in us, selfishness. Why, why do we complain? Why do we criticize? Well, because I think I know better than you. Here's what you should have done. Hey, if you would just listen to me, it would solve your problem. I know what I'm doing. Or maybe you criticize because you just want something your way. 
And it's this selfishness, this focus on you, your preferences. And don't be fooled into thinking that, that a critical heart is a small thing. I mean, a small candle flame can lead to a big fire if you don't attend to it. And not just within the church and the body, but within yourself. And this could just lead to this, this prideful, selfish, self-obsessed heart. You, be, you just become unhappy and bitter. And, and, and right now, I mean, everything that's going on, I, I get it. It's, it's just such this air that we breathe and this weight that's kind of just hanging over us that affects us all that it's, you know, it just becomes really easy to be reactive and critical. But here would be my encouragement to you. Man, when you, you ever feel yourself going that way, don't jump on social media. Don't, don't, don't go talk to your friend. Go to Jesus. Man, I feel this just criticism in me. Man, I'm just, oh, I'm so frustrated. Why'd they do it? Just go to Jesus. Because the issue isn't exactly how do you fix that other thing, but it's Jesus. What do you want to do in my life? How do I have your mindset, God? How do I just think like you? And so go to him right away. I mean, when Paul says, hey, do everything without grumbling and complaining, I kind of think, there's no way I can do that. And the reality is, is I can't. That's why I need the Spirit of God. I need Jesus to help me to do that. And so rather than just depending on myself, it's just, God, I, I can't do this. Just help me. Give me the strength to do that. Help shape my heart, shape my mind, you know, through, through your spirit, through your words, so that my mind is, is dwelling not on all these things that are just so wrong and, and I don't like this and I don't like that, but help me to have my mind dwell on what is good, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is true and right. And so these Hellenists, we see, they just didn't handle the problem right. They're complaining. There's this murmur that's going on. And, and when it comes to relationships, when it comes to conflict, because here's the thing, sooner or later, your family or the church family is going to have some sort of conflict. It will happen. There'll be something that somebody else doesn't like about you, you don't like about them. It's going to happen. And, and so for us as a staff team here at Light South, we have kind of these, these rules, which I, you know, to help us just to engage each other well. And I think they're not just good for teams, but I think they're good for families. I think they're good for the church family, uh, for marriages. And so these are some of these, these rules that we have. So the first one is just believe the best. Believe the best. Right? If, you know, um, let that be your first instinct. Let it be the thing that strives for you. I mean, in marriage, how many times would it's just like, we could have avoided a, a big argument or whatever, or a small you know, argument, if I would have just believed the best in Christy. She's awesome. It's probably not as bad as you think in your brain. You know, same, same as it goes for other people. Just believe the best. Give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to their motives or why they're doing something. Second thing, go to the person. I mean, do you notice here, the Hellenists, do they go to the apostles? Do they go to anyone? Nope. It's just this complaint, this murmuring, this whining that's just rising up. That's all that's going on. They don't go and talk to anybody. And it becomes actually a big enough problem that in verse 2, the apostles are like, okay, let's, let's get together. So go to the person. You know, while you believe the best about them, go to the person and just talk to them. Third thing is just check yourself. Hey, do I, is, is my heart in the right place? Am I going to the right person for the right reason, doing it the right way with the right motive? Just check yourself on that. Because sometimes we go to the other person because we're just excited to tell them how they're wrong. Not a great place. So just 
you know, believe the best, go to the person, check yourself. And so we see this problem that's arising. Next, we're going to just see how they respond. How do the apostles respond to this problem? Look at verse 2. And the 12 summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Brochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, all these people that we haven't heard of, right? I mean, nobody knows. Who who is this person? And a proselyte of Antioch, they set before the apostles, they set them before the apostles, they prayed and laid hands on them. And so here we just see these two big solutions that, that the apostles sort out through this. So first, they prioritize what they can do. They decide that, hey, we're not going to go distribute the food. We're going to give that to somebody else. Now, this might seem like the apostles are just like unwilling to do anything. Hey, this is beneath us. We don't have time to serve and wait on tables. You guys go do that. Right? It feels that way. But I mean, again, think, these are the apostles. These are the guys that they, they, they've been with Jesus. Jesus is the one that, hey, this is the kind of, of attitude you should have to serve, you know, not to come to be served, but to serve. They, they, these are the apostles that, that saw, you know, Jesus come with towel and basin and wash their feet. And, and again, there's a very good chance that actually the apostles were already doing this. So it's not this willing, uh, you know, that they're, they're saying, hey, we just, we just don't want to do the dirty work. Hey, we're just going to do nothing. What they're saying, they're not saying, hey, we've graduated because we're leadership. We've graduated from service. That's not what they're saying at all. Because there is never a moment that you graduate from serving others. No matter what your position is, no matter, you know, any of those things, there's never this moment that you graduate from service. What they're saying is like, hey, guys, we can't do it all. We have limitations. If we're going to focus on something then we have to focus on something. If we're doing everything, then we're, focused, we're not focused. And so they prioritize so that they can not get distracted. See, because Satan here is not just trying to, to divide the people through this problem, but he's trying to distract them. I mean, notice how had the church been growing through the preaching of God's word, through prayer. Because what's going to happen if the apostles get distracted? What if their jobs become basically all about helping the widows? Mission creep. Mission creep is when secondary things, good things, but their secondary things become more important than primary things. Hey, we've started to lose really who we are and what our job is. The apostles here, they don't compromise serving the widows. So they don't compromise that. So they do, you know point other people to be doing that job, but they also don't compromise what God, the assignment that God has given them to do, and that's focusing on prayer and preaching the word. So they let go of something so they could take hold of something else. They let go of, of serving the widow so they could take hold uh, of, of the word and prayer. And, and again, those are good things that they're letting go of. Most of the time in life, you're not, I mean, yes, we have these choices between what is, what is good and what is bad. Hey, should I 
serve someone or should I set fire to this building, right? Okay, I actually haven't show, you know, had that choice, um, I, I mean, I guess. But, um, you know, that's, that's not how most of our decisions typically work in a day. It's like, hey, there's this good thing. That's a good thing. Hey, but is there this best thing, the primary thing? Maybe I need to let go of some good things so I could grab a hold of primary, ultimate things. And so the question I have for you is, is what is that in your life? What is it that there's something that you need to let go of so that you could grab onto what is vital, what is absolutely necessary and vital for you to hold on to? What is that thing? Because here the, the apostles, they recognize, hey, we can't do it all. We only are just people. We, we only have so many time in our day. We only have so much energy, so much mental capacity. We can't do it all. We have limitations. And so I can say no to some things. They're good. They're fine. But I'm going to say yes to what God has called me to do. God has given me this assignment. And if I'm not doing God's assignment, then I'm not fulfilling the mission. So they prioritize this. The second thing that they do is they empower others. They empower others. So, you know, they, they recognize that the growing, growing, it's a growing ministry. And, and hey, things are becoming more complicated. And we're going to have to shift how we're doing things. That's always something in a church. Churches change. Because, hey, for us to be effective in preaching the word, pointing people to Jesus, we have to shift sometimes. And so they say, hey, we can't stop preaching the word of God. And because we have to change to do that, hey, we're going to empower others with this other thing that needs to happen. I mean, notice in this, the apostles actually don't even solve the problem completely. What do they, you know, they, they bring everybody together, they, fit, they see the problem, and they just say, hey, it's not right for us to do this. So they give some qualifications of people, hey, pick, and then they say, hey, you, you church, you pick, you decide, you choose. They gave them some guidance, they gave them some direction, and then they said, church, you solve the problem. We empower you, we're giving you authority to choose from among you these other people that will do something to do the ministry. So what we have, you know, and, and, and here the, the people pick, most of these names here are Greek names. So these are the people that would have been best equipped, best in, in, in position to serve these Hellenist widows. And so here, what we have here is we have a team, the apostles, a team delegating to a team. And then they lay hands on, on you know, the, these seven men. They, they lay hands on them. They're, they're affirming them. They're giving them authority. Hey, you guys are put in this position. Hey, and I mean, some people could get upset. Well, wait a minute. Why isn't Peter coming to my house anymore? He, he was the one that was giving me the food. Why isn't, who's this Timnon? Or who's that guy? You know, hey, but you chose him. Right? These are people that you trust. So they pray for them and they empower them to do ministry. And this is very similar to Moses in Exodus 18. He, he's, he's overseeing all, all of the disputes for Israel. And, and so people are just coming to him day and night. Hey, this is our complaint. This is our problem. This is our dispute. Okay, and then he makes a judgment call. And all day and all night, he's just hearing this. And he's getting totally worn out and the people are getting upset. And then his father-in-law Jethro is like, hey, man, what you're doing is not good. You need to pick other people to oversee these disputes. Some that oversee it, you know, with, with 10, with 20, with 100. You need to empower others, give authority away, not have it all come to you. Even Jesus, 
I mean, if there's anybody, somebody that's like, if we could just say like, hey, you're going to do everything. Hey, it would be God in flesh. But even Jesus, he, 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 bring, he invites these disciples, come follow me, and I'm going to equip you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to show you how to do this. And then he sends them out two by two. Hey, you go. You do this. Even when, he feed, even when Jesus does the miracle of feeding 5,000, who hands it out? The, the disciples. Jesus doesn't do it all. And even Jesus says, hey, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go, but you will stay and you will carry it on. Right? Jesus, he's about empowering other people. This is what Warren Wiersbe says. He says, better to put 10 men to work than to do the work of 10 men. Church is not about professionals doing the work. It isn't about some production. It's not about some great man or great communicator. Right? Many people have that mentality. Let's find our great man. Let's find the, this head honcho. And if he's awesome, and if he could preach really well, he's going to tell us what to do, and we'll follow him. Let's just get our great man. First, you know, with that kind of mentality, mentality, don't ever think myself or any other pastor is bigger than we are. All of us, at the end of the day, we're just flawed people, flawed men, flawed women that are trying to follow an awesome God, just like you. Don't ever think that we're better than we are. The second thing is, is that, that the church is not about a preacher guy. It's a family. Right? Jesus said, like, hey, this is the body of Christ that I've made. He didn't say, hey, this is a great communicator that I've made. Now get to it. Right? In 1 Corinthians 12, this, the body is not one part but many. The only, the only man... The only person that we are following is not me or Alex, it's Jesus. That's who we're pointing to the greatness of. Family working together. And so our job is, is to not do all of the work, but it's to equip you to do the work of ministry. This is what um, Ephesians 4, 12 and 13 says. It says, this is our job, to equip his people for works of service, works of ministry, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. So, hey, church, we're, we're trying to grow. We're trying to mature. Attain, and we're trying to attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So how does that happen? How does the church be built up? Because people... All the people in the church are doing the work of ministry. That's that our, our job is to equip you to do the work of ministry. You know, there's this um, cartoon movie called Wally, and there's a, he's like this little robot. And uh, most of the, let's just admit, most of the good movies out there are cartoons now. Um, and uh, so he's this little robot, and he's, he's basically just compacting trash on this planet, and he's all alone. And then um, he, gets, he gets up to this, uh, he eventually kind of, you know, follows this other robot, and then he gets on this ship, and he finds this ship, and it has all the humans on it. So all these humans are on this big old ship, and you kind of see what's happening to the humans. And, and the humans, they're just kind of, they're on these nice, big, cushy chairs, and, and they move around for them, and there's this screen right in front of them, and then they have these, like, big old, big gulps. 
and they just, they just kind of watch the screen move around, and, and these machines, the ship just waits on them hand and foot. And, and I think in some ways, we want church to be like that. Hey, make it as comfortable for me as possible. And in many ways, churches do do that, right? Hey, just look at the screen, guys. Hey, sit in this awesome chair. Keep drinking this drink. And if we do it well enough, and if you like it well enough, we'll see you again next week, and we'll do it all over again. You don't ever have to lift a finger for God or for anyone else. Just be back next week. And in many ways, we've made it about the customer. You know, Nike is all about its customers, Hey, what would our customers like? What do they want? And you as the customer, you know that because that's how that works. That's why Nike exists, is to totally serve and to give you what you want. But Christianity isn't about you. It's not about giving you what you want. It's about Jesus. That's why it's not, it's not okay for you to focus on yourself. I mean, even the scriptures tell us, whatever you do, whatever it is you're doing, do for the glory of God. Jesus died and he paid the price for sin and he rose again to make a family of participants, a family that is loving each other, that's growing together, that's on mission together. Even here, do you know why we call them gatherings, not services? Because families gather. We don't call them services because we're not, you know, just here to like serve all of your needs like that. Families, we're a family that gathers together to worship Jesus And so we have this, this, this mentality, you know, that, it, that it's, it's, that this is the mentality that we, we should have, that we're moved to have, is, hey, it's not about me, but about Jesus. And so, because it's all about Jesus, I'm a contributor, not a consumer. It's all about him, his mission, his body, his family, and what he wants to do in us and through us, through his power. And so I'm not going to just be a consumer. I'm going to be a contributor. We have our alarms as a, as a staff team go off at 10.02. And, it's, and it just sets off this little alarm, and we pray to God. And it comes from the, the verse from Luke 10, 10 that says, hey, the, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask and pray to the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Hey, there's a lot. There's a big harvest field, guys. What should you do? Not try, just, just try harder and do more. It's pray. Ask God for him to raise up people that could be sent out into his harvest field. And, and you know what? I just want to say, many of you, so many of you are an answer to that prayer. Church, I've seen so many of you do that. Be people that are just loving each other and ministering to others and to the, to the community and to the body of Christ. I know a person that comes and mows the lawn and I never ask him to do it. I just show up and it's mowed. I've seen people give of themselves to serve kids, to love them and to point their, those kids to Jesus. And to help parents come in here to focus on the word of God. I've gotten a call from a couple that actually does normally serve in kids ministry, but they're just like, hey, because of all this COVID stuff, we're just being a little bit more cautious and trying to be thoughtful. But they gave me a call and said, hey, but what else can we do? We want to serve. And they showed up to paint. 
I've seen a man that's come in and he's fixed toilets and sinks and he's painted bathrooms. People that come in and says, hey, I'll do some handiwork. I'll help rebuild a stage. I've seen women plan and pray for how they can reach more ladies coming up this fall. I've seen people come in and practice and take their own time to practice music, mess around with sound, and to help the church sing praises to God. I've seen city group leaders open up their homes, sacrifice their comfort, spend their money to help people be connected and loved for and cared for. Church family, I just want to say thank you. You personally, not just in in serving and loving the church, you personally have blessed me, my family. I've seen my kids be loved by you. I've seen my kids taught, like come home and say, like, hey, what'd you learn about? And they say something because you're taking the time to engage with them, talk with them. Even my kids, they say, hey, are we having city group tonight? And they're excited about it because they don't view it as like me and Christy's city group, but their city group. Thank you, guys. You have so, so many of you embrace this mentality that it isn't about me but it's about Jesus, his glory, and this family that he died to create. That is what, what church should be, that we're, we should we move to be. This is, you know, the church should be, hey, this is the family that I belong to, the family that I serve, not the place where I come and listen to sermons. Everyone plays a role. We're contributors, not consumers, and this mentality I just want to let you know, like, how do we even have that mentality that we're, that we're contributors? And that comes from the fact that for, for, for our salvation, for our relationship with God, we contributed nothing. Hey, when I had nothing to give, when I had nothing to contribute, God did it all for me through Jesus. I'm made right with God totally because of what Jesus has done for me. I don't chip in. I don't contribute some good works. I don't contribute just going to church and being kind of a good person or not doing really bad things so that I'm made right with God. No, I contribute nothing but my sin, and Jesus has done it for me. And that's how I'm made right with God. That's how I have have salvation in him. I'm forgiven of sin and have this new life with God in Christ because of everything that God has done for me. Him paying the price for me. And if you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior, again, don't think that you contribute anything to your salvation other than just the sin that was necessary for it. God, Jesus has done it all for you, and you can be saved from your sin by trusting in Jesus alone, through grace alone, by faith alone. Our salvation, this mentality that we have is, hey, because what Jesus has given to me He has given me his blood. He has given me salvation. He has given me his spirit. And now, actually, I think differently because of the new life I have in Christ. Because of his work for me, his work in me. He moves me from being a consumer to a contributor and to join with him in what he's doing in this world. So a question that I have for you is, is what kind of, of, of mentality are you living with? Are you living with that kind of mentality to be a contributor or a consumer, to be a passive audience or an active participant? What kind of mentality are you living with? And, and for some of you, I mean, it, it's time to move from consumer to contributor, from, from being passive to being a participant. 
And I know some of you like think life is too busy, and I get that. And, and I'm sure here in Acts that people had stuff to do. But you know, I mean, what we don't see is Stephen just saying, hey, well, I'm busy. I got lots of other things to do. He probably also had to let go of some things if his schedule to grab onto what God had called him to do. Because they had this mentality, my life doesn't belong to me. I've been bought by the blood of Christ and I belong to him, to his family, to his purposes. And so, yeah, I'll adjust my schedule. I'll serve. I'll help these widows. So if, so, if your schedule is too busy to actually be a participant in any way in the family of God, what is it that you need to let go of so that you could grab on to what is primary? Again, you know, from Ephesians 4, think of how the body of Christ is built up. It's because people are doing the work of ministry. People are serving each other. Each other. Everyone has a part to play. You know, I, I think some of you maybe from contributing or being more, more active, you're thinking like, well, I don't really know what I can contribute. I don't really feel like I'm very important. I don't, I don't have, maybe I'm not skilled like this other person. I mean, look at the qualifications that they give here for these seven people. I mean, it's, it's important. They have an important job. But I mean, let's just look at the qualifications that they give these guys. I mean, verse three, it says, hey, therefore, brothers, hey, church, pick out from among you seven men of good repute. Hey, basically, you have a decent reputation, full of the Spirit. Hey, you're, you're somebody that's trying to follow God, surrendering to the Spirit, and of wisdom. And oh yeah, wisdom comes from God. So basically, that's it. Right? There's, there's not a long list. There, there's no like, hey man, your resume better look good. It's just, there you go. Hey, somebody that doesn't stink, and is trying to follow Jesus. I mean, basically, it's right, hey, like, pick a Christian. Right? Pick somebody that's trusted in Christ. Every, you know, everyone has this part to play. They don't say pick someone that's super smart or has a ton of, you know, charisma. Hey, don't, don't, hey you don't need to pick somebody that could teach all these depths of theology. Just somebody that is willing to, to serve and to follow Jesus. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. said, everyone can be great because anyone can serve. Anyone can be great because anyone can serve. Know this, I mean, know this. If you've trusted in Christ, God has wired you, shaped you to help you be a contributor. And he's given you through his spirit at least one spiritual gift. At least one thing to say, hey, I'm giving you this through my spirit so that you can help build up the body of Christ. You know, I mean, we join in with what God is doing. And, and I mean, just think about it. When you contribute, when you serve others, think of actually how you come alive in that. I mean, have you ever had a season where you're just like, you know what, I was super focused on myself and I became more happy through just focusing entirely on myself. Right? That's never happened. Typically, when you're so absorbed with yourself, your wants, your life, everything for you, anxiety kicks up, bitterness kicks up, and you're just generally more unhappy. But when you're like, hey, I, man, God used me to help out another person. Man, that was cool. Man, did you see what God did? I got to see God do these things. Because you're, you're living out more of the way that God created you to be, to use your talents, your gifts 
for his glory. Every gift matters. This is what 1 Corinthians 12 says, uh, 18. It says, but in fact, God has placed the parts, of the, uh, the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So if you're like, well, I don't know if I have a part. Well, God disagrees with that. Hey, but my gift doesn't matter. Scripture doesn't agree with that. No, you have a way to contribute. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, we, it's so great that we all have different gifts, that we all have different wines, different passions. I mean, think about it. You have different relationships that I will never have. You have access to influence people, to serve people, to, to encourage them, to pray for them that I will, I will never meet. And praise God for that. God has you in a spot to do amazing things, to join in him in what he's doing. He wants to use you. Everyone has a part to play. I mean, again, remember the game pandemic. To win, everyone has to play their part. Everyone has to help. Same is true for the church, where the stakes are even higher, but the joys are even greater. Because it is, it's God, his spirit, working through you, his church, in this world for his glory. And so we've seen the, the problem of you know, the, the problem that comes up, the complaint that comes along with it, we see uh, the, the apostles' response to it and how they prioritize, they empower others. And then look at verse seven here. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of priests, you know, uh, not, not like the elite priests, but, but these kind of like more common priests that were, they also helped with uh, giving to the poor. You know, some of those are becoming obedient to the faith and trusting in Christ. And so, you know, because the apostles didn't get distracted from the preaching of God's word and from prayer, what happened, you know, and because they empower others to do it, God, amazing things happen. Man, even actually it's the first time it uses and multiplied, continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. And so what we see here is the same, really what we've seen throughout history and even today is this, participation leads to multiplication. Hey, when God's people participate, that leads to multiplication. Disciples being multiplied. The glory of God, like even more glorification for, for God in his name. Right, I mean, what we see here in, in Acts is not this, you know, this, this superstar church with superstar Christians, but it's really Jesus fulfilling his promise saying, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And his spirit working through ordinary people in, ex in extraordinary ways. It's Jesus at work through his people. And so, I mean, what if we all did this? I mean, what if we just all said, hey, I'm, I'm not going to be just like a, a passive audience, but I'm going to be an active participant. I'm not going to be a consumer, but I'm going to be a contributor because God is in me working through me. What if we all did this and, and made it about him, his people, his purposes? You know, I think we would see more kids being loved on, more kids being excited about church and hearing about Jesus. We'd see more people being a present and encouragement to those that are depressed or anxious or in a troubled spot. We'd see more people in church being prayed for. We'd see more people in the community that don't know Jesus being prayed for, more of the nations being prayed for. We'd see more coworkers and family members and friends that don't know Jesus coming to know him. We'd see workplaces being transformed because other people are showing up there saying, hey, I'm not here to be served, but to serve. We'd see more people working together to love on their neighborhoods and their city. We'd see more people working together to share the gospel with their friends or their family. 
We'd see people, more people cared for and their needs met. We'd see more people come alive and enjoy each other and God. We'd see more of the beauty and how God has, has given us the gifts of the Spirit, different people, different gifts. We'd see God changing lives. I mean, God can, can continue to work in us and change us, but he can continue to work through us to change a person's life, a neighborhood, a workplace, I know that he can do that because he's done it in Acts and really just throughout history. And again, this is not, I don't want you to leave just thinking like, hey, just do more. This is not so much about you doing something, but God changing you, him living in you, living through you, and inviting you into what he is doing. This is more about actually just who God has already made you to be, who you are in Christ. You know, I just want you, for a moment, I just want you to, to really listen. Because again, this isn't just about you, hey, just go do it, church, you know, be better. But really, I just want you to listen to these truths from Scripture about these truths about who you are, what God has done, and who he is, and just let these, these truths be spoken over, to, over you about who God has already made you to be. This is what God has said, Jesus said, all authority in heaven has been given to me. So you are my children. You, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. You are my ambassadors. You are given a gift of the Spirit for the common good. You are a new creation. You are my witnesses. I have given you my Spirit and you have received power. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are my workmanship. You're my masterpiece that I created in Christ Jesus for good works. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Guys, it's just about us living out who we are in Christ what he's done for us and what he's continuing to do through us that we're able to do this. And, and today, church family, we just get to be reminded of how, how our salvation is totally in Christ because of what he has done for us because his blood was shed for us. And he, was, he died and paid the price for sin on the cross and he rose again. And we get to just participate in that together as a family, not, not as just people that are just kind of an audience, but as a family together that God has made. And, um, you know, hey, because of, you know, COVID and everything, there's a little bit of, you know, differences with that. And so we have these kind of prepackaged things because we, you know, food stuff. Um, but, you know, at, as you, um, you know, I just want you to encourage you to first just take some time Pray, reflect on God's goodness, on who he's made you, on the salvation that you have in Christ. And when you're ready, just come and grab a cup, you know, to maybe help with, with shifting, you know, maybe like, um, you know, if you want, like one person from, uh, you know, a family or from, you know, a group can come and grab a, a few for the group uh, and bring them back. Um, but, you know, I just encourage you to, after you get it, you know, when you're ready, come get it. And after you get it, hold on to it. And then we're just going to take it together 
um, as a family. And if, you know, if you're joining us online, you know, grab something, grab a piece of bread, something, you know, and you could take it with us as we just uh, celebrate uh, the salvation that, that Christ has given us. So let me pray, and then we'll take a time to reflect. Um, Lord, we thank you, God, that, that you have given us salvation through Jesus, Lord, that, that you have given to, uh, us this freely. And um, Lord, thank you that we just have some time, Lord, to just celebrate the gospel, to celebrate Jesus, Lord, together as a family. Um, so Lord, we just thank you. We ask this in your name.